Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, y'all? My name is Davior. And I'm Jasmine, and welcome to Stories of the Streets. This podcast is in partnership with Change Waco, the New Black Collective, and Black Scent. You know, um, thank y'all for tuning in um, wherever you're listening to to um, our podcast. We're still new at this, so we're trying to get, you know, comfortable in front of the mic and, you know, try to talk to y'all and get y'all to tune in and share and just comment on if you like the podcast or not as much as possible. So before we get into the chat, we're going to uh, just kind of give you guys a rundown about Change Waco uh, and the New Black Collective and if WR is willing to about Black Sin as well. Um, so the mission of Change Waco is um, we're working together strategically, collectively and creatively for racial justice in Waco McLennan County in the heart of Texas region. Using effective models employed across the state and nation, we fight for long lasting change. The mission of the New Black Collective is to amplify the quality of life in our community, promote culture and education through community initiatives and partnerships with other organizations. Blackson is a new nonprofit that's just starting um, starting up. And the tagline for our nonprofit is more than the way we talk, it's who we are, it's where we're from and where we're going. Um, we're still making some like touch-ups to the mission statement, so I'm not going to just you know read it off here word for word. But just know we're trying to just know that we're trying to exist as kind of the safe place where the community can contact us on things that they want to see changed and need to see changed. And we want to exist as that middle ground that'll help fight for it. Um, we really value equity over equality. We really want to um, educate our melanated people, especially our African American people, on the history and where they come from as people. And we just believe in being that, being as inclusive and as progressive um, as possible. So look up Blackcent on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. Yes. And um, the vision at the New Black Collective is to implement community initiatives that improve access to education, investments, opportunity, and sustainable services. And this can be said for the other organizations that have been mentioned as well. Um, we work together collectively to implement change within the Waco community, specifically the BIPOC community in Waco. Um, if you don't know what that means, Black, Indigenous, People of Color. Um, 
So we're just working right now to create more equality, more positivity within those communities in Waco. If you don't mind me, you know, asking how long has the New Black Collective been active? We turned one on uh, August the twenty the twenty first August twenty first we turned one so we haven't been um, active that long. We've been working since last July last June. Um, so everything is pretty fresh for us. But uh, our our nonprofit kind of just blossomed, I guess, because people saw you know a younger generation that was willing to you know help in create change within Waco before, you know, everything else started, you know, transpiring. Um, we've been working with Indian Spring Middle School uh, to bring culture not only to the school as far as the arts, but just so that the kids are able to see people that look like them doing something positive within the community. Um, we've done a credit seminar. We've done a back-to-school drive. We've done a co-drive. Uh, we were involved with Juneteenth the Juneteenth celebration, so... We've been pretty busy. Um, we were at one of your protests. I don't know if you want to go ahead and talk about the protests since I brought it up. Yeah, um, I think we just skipped over the whole, whole kind of like idea behind this episode. But for <laughs> um, for episode one, we said that we were kind of just going to sit down and basically interview each other in terms of, you know, just giving you all an idea of what this podcast is going to be like. It won't always be, you know, kind of open discussion, open discussion. We might have, you know, a guest that comes on and, so to speak, um, for lack of a better word, like preaches to us and just, you know, puts everybody on a lot of game and a lot of information. So that might tend to happen. But for the starting off episode, we said that we want to just kind of just um, talk and, you know, break the ice in terms of getting used to doing this and getting used to, like, you know, hosting this together. But, yeah, the protest. The protests have been a hot topic um, this year. Um, I'm trying to think where should I start. So Blackcent is an organization with me and three other people that were born out of the protest, but we weren't responsible for the protest. The very first protest that happened on, I believe, May 31st um, was me and then about four or five um, co-workers or three, about, about four co-workers and then a friend um, have really helped put that together. And uh, we did that in a Snapchat group in less than like 24 hours. We were just really fired up from the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and um, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, cases. So we were center paying attention to how Austin and Dallas and Houston, all these other like cities in Waco are having um, their protests in Waco with this huge, you know, expansive racial history of, you know, injustice. It's kind of just sitting here being quiet. And I had went to my friends and I was like, you know, yeah, we, I, I, I don't know if I want to start something like I, I told them this like day in and day out over and over. I was like, I don't know if I want to be, you know, the one that starts the protest. Um, but, you know, if you we take a couple hours, you know, try to go Facebook, ask around, ask your friends that are also passionate and want to get out there and protest and see if they hear anything getting started. And they didn't hear of anything getting started. So I said, if no one's starting anything, then we should be the ones to start something. And, yeah, we put together I had a friend named Lex. She put together a flyer. Um, Tanea, who is also a part of Black Scent, she is, she reached out to a lot of the community leaders in Waco at the NAACP, Hope of the Immigrant Alliance. She's the one that put me in contact with her. Um, and yeah, the protest blew up. It went from just being like us four and expecting like 10 to 20 people to me getting there to like over 100 people. And I think uh, Waco Trib 
was the one that said there was over 400 people in attendance for that very first protest. And yeah, it was, it was just super powerful. Something that I never thought I'd be able to see, let alone being part of, you know, the planning of it. Like I've always right. wanted to go to a protest, but to be part of the people who have put it together and then see it come to life was a really powerful and beautiful thing. And that first protest, um, I feel like the momentum isn't dying whatsoever because people are still just like, you know, ready to see all this change that, you know, we've been fighting for for so long. But I really wanted to use that first one as a conversation starter. And then I've been just wanting to keep the conversation going ever since then. So, but that's kind of been, you know, the backstory on that protest. And yeah, a lot of people have been asking about it and asking about when's the next one and how can they get more involved and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, trying to get people, trying to get the word out on what people can do in terms of helping. Right. And I think something you said about, you know, why not us be the ones to do it? That's kind of how the New Black Collective was started as well. Um, People always ask, you know, how did y'all come up with the New Black Collective? And so what happened was we all left. We graduated university. All of us are classmates. We went to college. And, you know, once we were finished with school and stuff, most of us lived in the DFW. And we would meet in my apartment. And we would just talk about some of the disadvantages that we experienced as children growing up in Waco, children of color growing up in Waco. And that's kind of how it was born out of us feeling like, well, we were lacking. So resources are diminishing and the wage gap is getting bigger. And, you know, (laughs) it's a lot going on. So we know that those kids are struggling. So what can we do being that we're only, you know, a generation or two ahead of them? What can we do to help those kids? And so the new black collective was born that way in my living room. (laughs) It was born in my living room. Um, just off of the strength of us wanting to give back and wanting to show up for, you know, kids that look like us because we never had people coming in our neighborhoods that were maybe 10 years older than us. They were always very, you know, very old. And not to say that's a bad thing, but, you know, to a child, they're very old, like you're a 50, 60 year old. How can I relate to you? And so something that we wanted to make sure is that the kids that we were going to, we know what they listen to. We know what they're watching on TV. And so we felt like that was important. And that's why I said uh, working with Indian Spring Middle School, we knew the culture that they were experiencing. So it was easier for us to pour into them. And um, like you said, why not us? You know, why not us? Nobody else is doing it. Um, At the time, there was not a group. You know, we met a couple individuals but there was no group um that had formed to give back to the urban community in Waco and so that was our biggest goal is how do we how do we help and we had our first event and we didn't have any paperwork we had no certificate of formation or anything like that but like you said when we opened those doors and we were like where'd these people come from (laughs) it was kind of overwhelming I was like um I ran to my mom and I was like there's so many people outside and we were out of school supplies in 30 minutes. Oh, wow. But that just shows that, you know, when you put your mind on something and when you are, you know, focused on, on a divine goal, things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Yeah. So we just felt very blessed to be able to even give back to those people because we didn't have really, we didn't have a lot of sponsors. We were pulling from our family and our friends to get the school supplies, pulling from our own money. And then, you know, it just kind of happened the way that it yeah. happened and it grew. And we had people that were ready to volunteer. So, it's, you know, it's really like when you step out on faith or when you have a true purpose and you have the true drive to do something, it does just kind of unfold the way it's yeah, supposed to unfold. That leap of faith. Yeah. I always say that everything happens for a reason. And, yeah, I got I can prove that more and more, like, each time I do something. Because um, I, uh, I had different, like, medical issues going on during the time of the first protest. 
my lung had collapsed like twice, um, once in April and then once in May. So I was on a break from work and couldn't go to work, you know. So I was literally um, sitting at home like I was kind of supposed to, going back to the quarantine and all that kind of stuff. You know, people aren't supposed to be going anywhere anyway. But I've never just been in a situation where I had to just, you know, sit in one location and right. just, yeah, just be like, stay there. You have to get better. So when I did start getting better and stronger and stuff like that was around the same time that I was finally just tired about hearing all this, like, not tired of hearing about the Black Lives Matter stuff, but just seeing it in that being like the reality we lived in. I'm like, we have a whole entire pandemic going on and cops can't stop killing people for no reason. I was like, I was like, this really is a real huge disconnect going on in our country right now. So we had put the protests together and people were like, should you even be like doing this? Should you even be out there? Should you be marching? And I'm like, I need to. Like, either yeah, I need, yeah. never a right time yeah, to yeah. do it. And then it felt like, it just even felt like the right time because just thinking about my work schedule when I did go back to work and then trying to start a black scent, I was like, I would have never had the time to like, to right. do this protest. Like we did it in less than 24 hours. So it wasn't a lot that went into it. You know, people brought their own, you know, posters and their own uh, water to donate and stuff like that. But still that just shows the power that we did in 24 hours. So imagine, you know, what would have happened if we had less time than that or more time than that. Right. But the fact that I wasn't working made that, you know, possible. So yeah. I had stopped looking at, like, you know, things that happened to me, especially things that I make it out of. Um, and I kind of, like, want to voice the people, too. If you make it out of it, you went through it for a reason. And right. yeah, every, lesson. yeah, you have to see the lesson. Everything unfolded for a specific reason. You're supposed to take that in and keep pushing, you know, past that and into the reality that you're in now. Because if you would ask 10-year-old me if I were to be, like, in conversations about nonprofits and, like, you know, activism and stuff like right. that, I would have told you no. I would have been like, what do half of those words mean? Like, what do you, exactly. like, yeah. I but. say all the time, who told who told me to grow up and be this person? <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange, and I don't think a lot of people realize. They always ask, well, how did y'all get here? We don't know how we got here. No, it's divine intervention. Yeah, it just got here. It just happened because I, I was never a big um, – I'm not going to say I'm not a big political person because I'll debate politics with somebody all day. But I need I know I need to do more educating within myself on politics. So there comes a point where I'll stop or I'll be like, okay, you got it because you're throwing like terms and like, you know, history at me (laughs) that I don't even like know yet. So I can't just sit here and continue to debate with you as if I know and don't know. But um, yeah, no, uh, I think I think politics is a conversation that. Black people and especially like young black people need to be more. Yeah, Yeah. need to be more. We definitely avoid it, (laughs) but we need to be into it more because I don't I keep saying, like, especially now that I don't want my kids to keep having the same conversations that we're having. Exactly. And I look at, you know, groups like um, the New Black Collective and, you know, Black Scent and, you know, shout out Jeremy, Women Mentor Waco, you know, stuff like that. I look at stuff like that and I'm wondering, like, are we the. New Wave, you know, we the new MLK, new Angela Davis, new, um, you know, um, new Malcolm X, new all these, like, you know, leaders that kind of right. ran their course. And it feels that way. It feels that <laughs> way. And at the same time, I just don't want it to be that way. I kind of want us to be something new at the same time because all the work that they put in, it knocked down barriers and broke, you know, um, walls and stuff like that. But we're still having these same conversations, still having these same fights. Right. So... Whatever we do, I feel like actually needs to get that change that we've been pushing for for so long. And that's why I feel like it's so important that people our age and people who look like us and people who might be a couple shades brighter or darker than us need to get involved and have these conversations and educate themselves because um, it is important, you know, to everybody. And something that I think about often is um, like my grandmother, she lived through the civil rights. And so I often wonder how they feel having lived in experiencing the same things now that they experienced in it it just kind of makes me think and then you know um 
us losing our civil rights leaders like in the same day. Yeah. John Lewis and C.T. Vivian. It just, it's like, wow, okay, now they're gone. And what they did, it did a lot for us. Yeah, a lot. But at the same time, did it do everything enough? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just amazing to me that throughout their whole lives, they were fighting for the same thing for C.T. Vivian was like almost 100. So yeah. for almost a century, he was fighting for the exact same things that he was, you know, as a young man. So it just, it makes me wonder. And like you said, um, something that we have uh, as a conversation piece most of the time within my group, the New Black Collective, is, you know, we're going to be the people that they remember. Just like you said, are we the new, you know, the new Malcolm yeah. X, MLK? Are we Angela Davis? Like, I, we wonder that the same thing. Yeah. And so... I think that with us all having that mindset, are we like these people? Yes, we are. But we have to figure out how to take a different route Yeah. and figure out what, you know, what worked for them and what did not work for them. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest challenge that we're going to face um, within our organizations is figuring out, okay, they did this. It worked a little bit, but it didn't do enough. Yeah. So what can we do differently that will cause, you know, something more. to turn over more than yeah. what it already has. So it's a, a valid everyday thought for me, <laughs> everyday thought. But um, I'm glad that we think that way. Yeah, somebody has to, yeah. and a lot of people are always like, "Well, I'm not doing this." And it's fine that you want to do it, but somebody has to do it. And if we have to be those people, then it is up to us to step up because obviously we're the brave ones. Yeah, it. Something I just thought about is just you said um, that it's good that we're thinking that way and good that we're having those thoughts, and it's just crazy because a lot of people. Um, that you know, grow up thinking themselves as like the new Tom Brady or the new Little Wayne, and you know they they go into right. all these like entertainment based you know kind of you know platforms, and of course nothing's wrong with that you know um, we love our entertainers, we love our you know celebrities, but it's different to kind of have this like mindset of wow I could be the next person that like broke down like this barrier, right. broke down this barrier. I could be in the history book. Yeah, in the history book. <laughs> I like, think that's dope though. It's no, like, it's am real I cool. Look in the history yeah. book one day and see my name. I think they've been the biggest advantage that we have um, just, you know, our generation is technology right. and uh, like a lot of information that is helpful is out there. It's just that people don't either have the drive to go get it or they don't know where to go to get it. And I feel like that's a big hurdle that we as a people um, are going to have to fix in order to like keep this conversation going and take, take this conversation seriously because information and uh, Support travels way faster now than it did, you know, back when MLK and Angela Davis and, David Davis and all these other civil rights um, leaders were fighting. You know, they they had to, they had they had more they had disadvantages, but they had more of disadvantages in terms of getting the word out and, you know, just um, getting people to take it seriously and actually come out to do it. But still, they had like you know hundreds and thousands of people who showed up to their different events and their marches and stuff like that. But I feel like just going how our generation is and going definitely how future generations are looking at my sister all the time and all she ever do like is on her ipad like, that's all she right. ever does so we there has to be a more um i hate to say it but easier in like accessible way for people who don't want to get up and just you know right. get active in terms of being out there going to these city council, city council meetings going to you know um you know these like smaller elections and these kind of just just different events that people you know that are already set up and happen you know week to week day to day to try to keep people engaged in what's going on in the communities but people don't go to them and um yeah i think i think one thing that we have to use technologies for is to try to find a middle ground for everybody to meet and just get educated on these topics and keep um going you know based off of what they're what they learn 
Yes, definitely. I think the biggest issue with our the younger generations, including millennials, is dedication. Um, because we grew up in like a microwave society. We don't really know how to stick to one thing or to be dedicated to something because something that I've even seen within the last few months is people, you know, oh, black lives matter. And then the next day they're on to the next topic and they're not sticking to what they say they're going to do. Um, people ask us all the time, y'all are really boycotting Starbucks. Yes, we're yeah. not going there anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I think that they look at us because we're sticking to what we said we were going to do as far as, you know, supporting the movement. And they're like, y'all are, but y'all don't, you don't crave it. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. yeah. Everybody's addicted to something. <laughs> but when you have a, when you have something that you're dedicated to, that you're serious about, which I feel like all people of color need to be serious about the fight against injustice, because it's not just black people, you know, other people experience disadvantages as well. And we always want to make that very clear. Yeah. We're not here just to talk about black disadvantages, but we are, you know, that's who we are. That's the experience yeah. that we have. But Most comfortable I feel like what we all need to realize is that as a community of people of color, when we say we're going to do a certain thing, we need to be serious about it because a lot of times these companies, especially these chain companies that capitalize on people of color and we never get anything in return from them, there's no benefit to us. It, even if you are employed by that company, it's not really beneficial to you. And you have to work 50 years to even get anything from it. And so it's like, stick to what you say you're going to do. If you're going to yeah. be about the cause, then be about the cause. And if you can't do something as simple as boycott a frap, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, then when are you, yeah. when are you going to reach the stage to where something moves you to want to make change? Because if you have a hard time with something as simple as a coffee, it's like, well, you know. Yeah. Don't <laughs> um, fold for almost anything. You right. can't stand up against coffee. And also remember that there are different lanes of activism. A lot of people believe that you have to be out at the protest, so you have to do this, so you have to do that. There's no certain lane that you have to be in. There are plenty forms of activism, and we want to make that very clear True. because I feel like people have been using that to kind of demean other people of color. Oh, well, you didn't do this and you didn't that, and you weren't out there. I tell people all the time, I'm not going out there. That's not my, that's not my thing. Yeah. I don't do crowds. I'm very introverted, but I will work in the background to force policy, to force change. That's where I'm good at. Yeah. So I think we all need to find where we are good at and thrive Existing. in those positions because everybody's needed everywhere, whether it's art activism, you know, whether you're dancing and doing like whatever you're doing in your lane, being your lane, but make sure that your lane has a message and there is something that you want to say and something that you're, they you're gonna stand on yeah. like i i really do think that's the biggest thing with our generation is we don't have that dedication just like mlk and malcolm yeah. x like when they said that they stood for something they stood for it and i don't know what it's going to take for us to get there yeah in terms of just yeah. everybody being on the same page because i really feel like their whole generation was like right they like, was like oh y'all going to the march we're going to yeah y'all are doing this y'all are boycott like they boycotted the buses they yeah. They went on strike for, you know, picking up trash and stuff and a lot. But that's because we don't know our history. We're not yeah. taught it. But that's a whole nother episode. Well, another, yeah, a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. But because we aren't taught what these people went through in the way that they forced change. I was watching a video. John Lewis, he was talking about um, Selma. And like he said, you know, we didn't know we were going to be trampled. We didn't know we were going to be beaten or almost killed. I thought we would get arrested, but... 
We didn't know that that was going to happen, but we still did it. Yeah. Because we were serious about what we wanted to do. And like he said, we wrote the Civil Rights Act with our our blood in our bodies, and they did. And so I think that it's very, it's imperative for us to learn where we came from so that we don't disrespect what they did for us. And I think that's the most sensitive things, the most sensitive thing for me is us not disrespecting the blood that was shed for us to have the opportunities to be on this podcast (laughs) you know everything that we have is because of what they sacrificed and so i don't know when we became so spoiled (laughs) (laughs) we felt like we made it right and i guess i don't i don't know who's to blame but i i think that a lot of it is well i went through this i don't want my children to go through that and it's okay that you don't want your children to go through that but teach them something about where they came from so that they always honor those people uh yeah you brought up um a great thing to me uh, when you said that we as a generation kind of are really big into social media and um, being on, you know, one thing and the next thing, because, you know, the world moves so fast and information travels so fast, especially now, because we can get, you know, information from something going on in another country and that can become the new hot topic over here versus what we like got going on. Like Black Lives Matter trended consistently, I think, on every social media site I had um, for about a week. And then after that first week of protests and stuff like that wrapped up, uh, I get back on Twitter and scroll for a little bit and find myself laughing at a meme. And I'm like, wait, this is the first time I've seen a meme in like a week because literally all the conversations I have been seeing have been geared towards Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And yeah, you you also brought up like two other things that I really hope that people um, who hear this take it away and just, you know, run with it is one um our organizations and this podcast and you know just the movement itself isn't just is is geared towards black people because i feel like black people's injustices are always right there on like the forefront like it's you know white people versus black people but when you open that can of worms and actually start deep diving into everything it's a whole lot deeper than that and yeah black people were not alone in this fight like you have hispanic you know children who are still locked up in cages and stuff um disappearing and you know free those babies yeah literally <laughs> disappearing and um uh, actual factual disappearing and people are saying that they're being sold into you know child trafficking and all of the kind of stuff yeah and you have like indigenous you know native people to here in america who are still fighting for certain sacred lands that you know the british and you know all these other colonizers just came in and took from them and was like it's our land now and you have certain groups that are getting reparations certain groups that aren't getting reparations like i think the most that america i think i think obama was the first person to apologize to Japan for the for the bombs, the like atomic you know bombs that we had dropped over there. And I might be wrong about that, and I might need to fact check that. Fact check that, but it took the longest for us to just have any type of dialogue about that situation. And I don't know if you know America's handed out any reparations to you know kind of Asian Americans of descent from that you know from that people from that um you know that tragedy that event where we were you know needed to. Needed to showcase how big our weapons are, you know, dropped it on a whole, like, you know, you know, place of like, in, well, in, we can, that's a whole other conversation. Like you said, like, <laughs> history is a whole other conversation. History is my thing, and I'm like, I could go on and on. People can split it however they want to. History is, you know, a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, But no, yeah, I think, I don't know what it'll take. Like, I think, I think I woke up when Trayvon Martin was murdered. Like, that one was a big one to me because he was so young and, I think around the time it happened, we were around the same age. I can't remember if he's older than me or if I'm older than him. But 
he's just like he'd be around like in his 20s now and i'm only right. yeah i'll be 22 on the 26 or we're, we're pretty close like in shameless plug shameless birthday plug but <laughs> um yeah i'll be yeah we were pretty close in age and that was the one that kind of woke me up and kind of just like i let this don't you know this don't seem right this don't feel right this don't sound like or sound right like everything that went on with that case just bothered me um in some way shape or form and then the one that kind of got me in terms of well, I was already like, you know, woke and paying attention, but in terms of just like how serious it was, was like Sandra Bland to me. I don't know why. I don't know. Because it was creepy. I don't know. That it was one, disturbing. I don't, yeah. and, and they, you know, they, all the, you know, she was already dead and the mugshot photo, like all this stuff that was coming out. And then the fact that I think it was one of the first like high profile ones that I remember that happened here in Texas. And that was like shocking to me because I was like, I think of, I hold Texas to, to such a high standard because I'm from here. I'm from Marlin. And, you know, the only other place that I've like lived is here in Waco. And, you know, I've been to other places, but I'm always like, yeah, you can't beat Texas. Like, like, like Texas is like, what, like I will like seeing right. Texas as praises. So to hear, you know, of all this, like, you know, like, you know, racial injustice and then stuff that's still going on now. But then to see nothing but like smiling faces and, you know, kind of just have all these positive interactions is scary, you know, living here as especially as somebody of color, because you never really know what you're going to get. And you never know how people are going to, you know, turn on you and if the, the, the situation calls for it. So hers was such a scary and like you said, disturbing like situation to me, because that's basically right here in our backyard. And um, yeah, that's the one that kind of like solidified my like, this isn't slowing down. You know, um, these are only like I, I, tell, I say all the time, like about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Like these are the cases that we hear about and go viral and stuff like that. What about the ones that get co- uh, covered up and you know right. lied about? What are and, we not seeing? Yeah, like what are the ones that, like that are like that we're not hearing about? The ones that aren't going viral that are really like, you know, disturbing me. So I'll just you know I hope that I don't, I don't want there to be a case or a life taken away that wakes people up. But I do hope that more and more people understand that it isn't going to go away until we set up, you know, a system that doesn't allow for it to happen. Right. And doesn't allow for people who do it to get away with it. That's that's the people always talk about the end goal and stuff like that. That's the end goal is to burn down like the system, not physically. People be like, oh, now you're trying to go ride and blow stuff <laughs> up. Like, no, um, the, like metaphorically burn down the system that has been put in place to oppress people. And put up a new one that's all the way inclusive, all the way, you know, you know, equitable and, um, you know, equal, equitable, equitable and equal, you know, for as many people as possible. And to try to actually push for this inclusiveness that inclusiveness that, Amer- inclusiveness that America is supposed to be. Um, and, yeah, last thing that you mentioned, and I'm going to shut up because I'm trying to get tongue tied, <laughs> is um, you said that, uh, yeah, there's different branches of activism. And I don't think people get that, like. People will, yeah, they'll think that um, because I organized a protest that I could be painted as like an activist and stuff like that. I'll, I'll tell people in a heartbeat, like I had help. Like there's nothing, like there's nothing in that that I did myself. In terms of, yeah, that was 100%. Maybe the poster, the poster and me bringing my camera was about like me being 100% me. I didn't even have the mic. I had help with the chance. I helped getting the poster together. Like, um, but getting off a protest. Signing a petition, you know, using your social media to just share that petition. You know, if you got a job that blesses you with a little bit more money than what you need every week, donate some donate. money. <laughs> donate some of that money to, like, you know, charity and stuff like that. You ain't got to go spend it at the club or, like, at a party and, like, you know, drinking and stuff like that. You ain't got to do all that um, all the time. You know, your money can actually go somewhere that's going to go meaningful. So I wish more people understood that, yeah, that you could donate, you could share, you can sign a petition, you can start a petition. Um, 
one thing uh, that kind of irks me in terms of people and their personal um, popularity is when they get these kind of big platforms and have like over a thousand followers and stuff like that. And then kind of be quiet in terms of when stuff like this is going on. Because I feel like when you have such a personal, um, you know, following, I hate using the term fans, but that's the way social media is set up. You know, there's all these different, like, you know, you have followers, you have people who tune in to see, you know, what you're going to say, what you're going to post, you know, stuff like that, uh, what you're doing, where you are. So in, in, in a lack of a better word, you know, term, they are fans. You could put your fans on more things that you're doing and more petitions that you're signing, more the money that you're donating. And those people, just based off the fact that they care about you and care about what you got going on and what you're doing, they're going to follow you and share that petition and donate and stuff like that. So I really wish that more people in our generation would use their technology and their you know platform to educate more and then um, educate others. Like if we if we educate ourselves past just what school ended us on, then I feel like we'd be so unstoppable and just like genius. Like you know, it was like they we just stopped at school. We let school you know tell us what we need to know and then that's it. Yes, because our education does not start or begin well not start does not start or end (laughs) in the classroom and you should always be educating yourself as much as you can with that said we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of stories of the streets uh we will be looking for people to interview so if you have a story um hit us up on social media uh we are on instagram as the new black collective on twitter as the new no, New Black Collective. <laughs> We're on Facebook as the New Black Collective as well. On Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, you can either find Blackson as Blackson or Blackson Inc. Um, either way it goes, you know, Blackson is there, B-L-A-C-C-E-N-T. And um, if you need to find me personally, you could email me um, or just reach out to me on my Instagram. And that Instagram is I am Davey R. Woodson. I don't feel like spelling it out, but... <laughs> You, you know, you can, if you go to Blackson, you can find me through there. Um, yeah. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and we will be available on other platforms very soon as Stories of the Streets. Thank you. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.